Yo, yo, what is up? What is up? Happy Monday. And we are now just three, three days away from the 2022 NBA draft. You can find out who is moving up or down on my latest mock draft in this episode. Stay tuned. You are listening to the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast, your daily NBA draft podcast. I am Rafael Barlow, the director of scouting for NBA Big Board and the founder of NBADraftJunkies.com. Now, I'm a little bit biased. I think I am the hardest working man in this draft world. I spent the season overseas. Who's going to do that? I spent time evaluating prospects, not only for this draft, but for the next three NBA drafts. I make about 10 to 15 podcast appearances per week on top of the five days a week. I am your host on the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast. I write articles. I create videos. And now with my new position at NBABigBoard.com, I'm gathering intel. I've turned into a reporter. So maybe I can give myself an AKA. I know Richard Stamen, I call him AKA the Clip God. We got uh, Sam Ferris, a.k.a. the Intelligent One, Leaf Tuline, a.k.a. the Grinder. I guess I have to give myself an a.k.a. and I, maybe I'll just go with Raphael, a.k.a. the One Man Media Team or Raphael, a.k.a. the One Stop Shop for Draft Content. But that is enough about me. And in today's episode, which is brought to you by Bet Online. And BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline is where the game starts. And shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast a success and made it your first listen of the day. All right, let's talk about this draft. Again, we are getting closer to the draft. And based off of everything that I've been hearing is Orlando and Jabari Smith. That seems like it, it is the likely option there at number one number two I don't think this is necessarily where the draft starts but it could get interesting at two I think Oklahoma City selects Chet Holmgren now I saw the articles that said that's where he prefers to be I think it makes sense there but if the Thunder are really indeed interested in Jaden Ivey a move could be made there where the Thunder move back the Kings move up but I'll get to the Kings in a second. I think Paolo Bancaro to Houston is a lock. Now, you know where I stand on Paolo. I think he is the top player in this class. But I think it's such a lock in Houston that he can just go ahead, start looking for property, find him a nice high rise by the gallery or somewhere downtown. Go ahead and get your, your Texas ID because I think Bancaro is going to be a Houston Rocket. Bancaro and Jalen Green. Just with those two alone and Alperin Shingun, who I was a huge fan of last year. And since they moved Christian Wood to the Mavericks, I think they are basically creating a wide open spot for Ben Carroll to be their starting four on opening night. I'm on record. It hasn't even started yet, but I'm on record of saying Ben Carroll is going to win rookie of the year regardless of the team. But now with him in Houston, I think that is a lock. But again, I'm just forecasting way ahead because we're not even sure he's going to go to Houston, but I think it's a certainty. All right. At number four is where things can get very interesting. So on my last mock, I had Jaden Ivey going to the Kings. I think on one hand, he is the best player available. I think he has the best superstar potential out of everyone left 
on the board. But the Kings are committed to De'Aaron Fox, and they paid Fox a boatload of money. And Sacramento has a tendency, based off of the last five drafts, to draft guards. And so if Fox is their guard there, their, their main guard that they're going to build around, then Ivy does not make a lot of sense. He is the best player available. There's a lot of redundancy. They just traded Tyrese Halliburton, who I think is probably a more seamless fit next to De'Aaron Fox. But they traded Halliburton for DeMontis Sabonis. They drafted Davian Mitchell last year. And adding Ivy just gives them another guard. So on one hand, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Now, I, I read today, I can't confirm it, but I read an article on Twitter, maybe not even an article, but a, a clip on Twitter, that the Kings haven't met with, with Jaden Ivey. I think that is very interesting. I don't know if it's smokescreen or not, but it's very interesting. Now, I don't know if it is strategic on Ivy's representative's parts. Maybe they feel like that is not the best fit for him and he's not working out for Sacramento. I have heard prospects do that in the past to where you know, they may not send their medical records or they may choose not to work out for a certain team because of the fit. I don't know if that is the case here. This is information that just kind of came out, at least I believe it came out this morning or maybe it came out this weekend. I was kind of out of the mix, had a baby shower this weekend, my first baby, had my family and friends in town. So I was kind of out of the loop this weekend. So maybe it came out earlier, but I still think it's very interesting. And then there's an article that says that the Kings are interested in Keegan Murray and to the point where they've had De'Aaron Fox meet up with him for, for dinner. Again, I don't know how true it is, but if that is the case, it now sounds like Sacramento Kings are going with fit over potential. Not saying that Murray doesn't have potential. I just think that Ivy has more upside and potential, but it sounds like based off of what I've been hearing in the last four or five hours, that Keegan Murray could be headed to Sacramento, which leaves Jaden Ivey falling to five to the Detroit Pistons, which I think is uh, uh, could be a match made in heaven. But let me get to the Kings. Now, I saw someone tweet about their dissatisfaction with the Kings front office and the fact that they have been making moves to basically compliment the De'Aaron Fox. Now, that is totally debatable if they keep drafting different guards. But they were saying that Fox hasn't turned the corner in a sense because they're expecting Fox to be what Ja Morant is. And I think that's kind of unfair. I mean, Fox has dealt with some injuries. And obviously, Ja Morant has too. But the, the way uh, Ja Morant has kind of change Memphis around from rebuilding to potential contender, they're expecting the same for Fox. And I, the person mentioned that Sacramento needs to stop catering to Fox. But on one hand, like I said, you can't say they're necessarily catering to him if they keep drafting guys that play similar position. But I think it's very interesting, very risky on Sacramento's part to pass up Jaden Ivey, who I think could be an all-star within the next three to four years. Could be an all-star maybe even during his rookie contract or as soon as it ends if he goes to the right fit. But if Sacramento chooses fit over best player available, which, again, on, on one hand, it does make sense. And if you're Sacramento, 
They haven't made the playoffs since 2016. I mean, the last time the Sacramento Kings were in the playoffs, I was probably wearing Air Force Ones and, and pinwheel hats and oversized clothes. Things have changed. So I say if you're Sacramento, you swing for the fences and take the best player available. But it looks like they're going for fit, and the fit does make sense. I think Murray could be your, I guess, interchangeable between a three and a four with Harrison Barnes based off of how the roster is constructed today. And Murray would give Sabonis space, spacing, because I think Murray is going to be a good shooter. Shot 39% from three in college, along with Harrison Barnes. Kings would have floor spacing, which opens the lane up for De'Aaron Fox, one of the fastest guys in the league with the ball, and Sabonis. So it does make sense, but it is kind of risky since they are passing up who I believe is the player with the highest upside on the board for the guy that fits the best. Now, what do you think? If you're a Sacramento Kings fan, reach out to me on Twitter, Barlow500. Let me know your thoughts on pos- the possibility of the Sacramento Kings passing up Jaden Ivey for Keegan Murray. All right, when we return, i just talk about a few guys that I think are moving up or down on my draft board. But I got to tell you about draft night. Again, we're just a few days away. Now, one live draft show is just not enough for Locked On. Every single show is going live on draft night. So 15 minutes before your team makes their pick. So whether it's locked on Pistons, whether it's locked on, I was going to say locked on Mavs, but they don't have a pick. Whatever your team is, join them on YouTube for the immediate reaction from your local expert. You can subscribe now at your favorite team, whether it's locked on Kings, Pistons, Lakers. uh, Lakers don't have a pick either. Locked on Rockets. So you'll know whenever they go live. So check it out. The Locked On 2022 NBA Live Draft Shows, which is, I think it's going to be incredible with 30 teams and their hosts going live. Because, I mean, there's some teams right now that don't have picks, but I imagine they will. Like, the Lakers are a team that I've been hearing are looking to move up in the draft. I know they've been working guys out. And some of the guys that they have been working out are guys that are expected to get drafted. So the Lakers look like they're trying to make some moves. All right, betonline.net is your number one source for all of your betting needs and sports info. You can find all of the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's NHL playoffs and Major League Baseball. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sporting wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. And betonline.net remains the best spot for all of your sports scores podcasts and news this season betonline.net is the fastest and the easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports events including mma boxing and golf head to the website today and use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action that is because betonline is where the game starts all right once again you are listening to the nba big word podcast i am rafael barlow your host and i'm just going through some Movers on my latest mock draft that is available on NBABigBoard.com. Now, the latest mock draft came out a few days ago. It doesn't have the latest developments from this morning, which if everything goes based off of what I'm hearing, Jaden Ivey could fall to number five, which means Troy Weaver could possibly get the player that he probably wanted the most with the fifth pick. Detroit was, in my opinion, one of the biggest losers on draft night. They was, I mean, they worked hard to finish with one of the worst records in the NBA. They were projected to have the first or second pick again, but they fell down to five. And Troy Weaver has 
a reputation for having a draft philosophy for taking high level athletic guards. So he gets credit for Russell Westbrook. And there were some rumors that he, and, and I can't confirm, but there were some rumors that he really wanted Jalen Green. But at the end of the day, they decided to go with Kate Cunningham, which, you know, wasn't wasn't a bad choice at all. But I, I do remember reading last year that he was enamored with Jalen Green and his athleticism. Well, he could end up getting the most athletic guard in the draft in Jaden Ivey. I think Ivy and Kate Cunningham would be a pretty good fit, even though I do think that Jaden Ivey's best position in the NBA is as a point guard, as the primary ball handler. And I've mentioned before that I don't think any team outside of maybe New York and Washington, which are picking at 10 and 11, give him that clear-cut path to be their opening day starter at the point guard spot. So Ivy's going to have to play off the ball if some moves are made. And then if he goes to Detroit, that means he's going to really have to play off the ball. Unless, you know, they d- decide that they're going to be interchangeable with Kate Cunningham and Jaden Ivy. But I think this would be an interesting pick for Detroit if he is available. If the Pistons, let, let's say it goes, and let, let's say Sacramento was just kind of blowing smoke up our, our, up our butt, right? and the Kings decide to take Ivy at four, then I think Detroit would look at Benedict Matherin at number five because he also provides athleticism and shooting to the Pistons roster. Detroit needs outside shooting, and that's something that Matherin brings. He shot 38% on 256 attempts in his two-year career, and at the very minimum, he projects to be this 3 and D wing. But I think he has a lot more potential than some of the other wings that are kind of bunched up in in this group that are projected in the lottery. I think he showed flashes of being a ball handler and shot maker, and I think that he could end up being a three-level scorer. So if he ends up, you know, continuing to make strides as a pick-and-roll ball handler, pull-up shooter, now you're getting a 3-and-D wing that can score in transition, that can score on three levels and lock down the best offensive players and if, if you, best offensive player and if you get that then you could end up with top three or four quality with the fifth pick so I think either way Detroit is in a very good situation with Benedict Matherin or Jaden Ivey at number five now this is where the draft kind of gets tricky again because if Keegan Murray is off the board and he is gone at he's not there at four I, th- I thought that that was probably the most likely pacer pick. I thought Keegan Murray to Indiana was a, a fit that just kind of goes along with the Pacers timeline of selecting rookies that are a little bit more mature and ready to come in and contribute. I personally don't know if the Pacers game plan is to like fully rebuild or just kind of rebuild on the fly and still continue to try to to make the playoffs so I don't think they're going to totally tear it down even though I think Malcolm Brogdon and Miles Turner could be gone and that could signal a total rebuild but based off the way they drafted last year with their first pick with Chris Duarte who was 24 years old it seems like they were trying to draft rookies that are more so able to come in and contribute right away as far as long-term projections. And I think Keegan Murray is one of the most NBA-ready players. But if he's not available, the Indiana could take a strong look at A.J. Griffin, who is a good shooter 
and shot 44%, maybe a little a little under 45% from three. And he's someone that at this time last year was projected to go into this range. Had some issues with some injuries and there are some concerns there. But so far, I haven't heard much about it. It's one of those things where no news is good news. And if no news is good news, then we haven't really heard anything about A.J. Griffin's medical history, which means that he should end up as a top 10 pick lottery at the, at the very, very worst. But I think if they did go with Griffin, gives him shooting, which they kind of robbed Sacramento of all their outside shooting when they acquired Buddy Hield and Tyrese Halliburton. So Griffin would give the Pacers another shooter. So I think that could be the move there. I don't know if Dyson Daniels makes sense in Indiana. I think he has too many similarities to Halliburton, but he is the name that you've been hearing rising up the charts. Now, if the Pacers decide to move Miles Turner, then that could really shake up the draft because Jalen Duran would be on the clock. And I have a feeling that he is San Antonio's top target. I think San Antonio is looking for a big. I've heard it from uh, someone that was directly tied to a player that worked out for the Spurs or actually a player that was supposed to work out for the Spurs and one of the things that he mentioned is that the Spurs are more so looking for a traditional five not necessarily a four or five so if the Pacers like I said decide to move Miles Turner then that could throw a monkey wrench in the plans of San Antonio but there still is Mark Williams who would, would possibly who I think would be available at number nine if Jalen Durant is gone all right, so with San Antonio, like I said, I think they're going to take a big, which leaves the Washington Wizards with the 10th pick. Now, Washington is in a weird situation. I saw the report that Bradley Bill has made his decision on what he's going to do, but we'll find out at a later date. Now, whether the Wizards know that or not, I have no idea. If Bill decides that he is going to opt out, or not necessarily opt out, but he's going to leave in free agency, then I think that has a major, major impact on what the Wizards do in the draft. If Bill decides to leave, then I can see them gambling on Shaden Sharp. Shaden Sharp is the biggest wild card in this draft, which, you know, at one point I thought this draft was going to be pretty simple, but now, based off the rumors, which, again, a lot of it could be smokescreen, this draft could be pretty wild and there could be a lot of changes in and as far as guys changing teams and there could be a lot of shockers but if like I said if Bradley Bill decides to leave I think that it makes sense for the Wizards to gamble on someone like Shaden Sharp but if Bill decides that he wants to stay then I could potentially see this pick being on the move there's a rumor about Malcolm Brogdon who would be available since the Pacers seems to be ready to turn the keys over to the franchise to Tyrese Halliburton. And I don't know if Brogdon can get you a 10th pick. I don't know, especially considering Christian Wood only was able to get Houston the 26th pick and, uh, you know, a couple Snickers, some M&Ms, and a soda, basically expiring contracts. So I don't know what Malcolm Brogdon's value is. I think he is 29, a little older, has some injury history. So I don't think he can get you the 10th pick, but I think he could be a potential trade partner. But I can get to a little bit more after I return from this quick break. All right, once again, you're listening to the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast. This is Rafael Barlow, and I'm talking about the Washington Wizards and some of the choices that they may have to make, depending on Bradley Bill. Like, he has the franchise in the palm of his hands. He determines what they are going to do. If 
he decides to leave, then Johnny Davis and Shaden Sharp could be an option. They both play, in my opinion, the same position as Bill. And I think that it's going to be a tough choice because, and I've talked about this before, do you go with the production of Johnny Davis, who averaged 19 points per game, one of the best rebounders in this class as a sophomore, made a huge jump from his freshman to sophomore year, and you kind of know what you're getting out of him, or do you go with the potential of Shaden Sharp, who did not play basketball this season? So if, Wizards, again, they have a tough choice between if Bradley Bill leaves, you got to find a point guard, and if Bill decides to stay, then I think Dyson Daniels could be an option there because the Wizards are in desperate, desperate need of a point guard. And I can see them drafting Dyson Daniels, but also making a move for someone like Malcolm Brockton. All right, at number 11, it's the New York Knicks. And the Knicks could have a variety of options here based off the way the draft could turn out because I personally believe someone between Shaden Sharp, Johnny Davis, Dyson Daniels and Benedict Matherin will or, or AJ Griffin will be available to New York at number 11. And if you believe this is a draft where the Knicks can get quality wings that can come in and contribute right away, then they're actually in pretty good position because they can get somebody at 11 who some people have mocked at number five. Now, unless it's Dyson Daniels, I think he could be. A, a Tibbs guy. I mean, he's a big point guard and he's more so known for his defense and being able to be a connector than his offense right now. But I don't think Daniels would address the Knicks' need for outside shooting. But I think, again, New York is in a good position. But there are rumors that New York could move down. And if I'm New York, even at number 11, personally, I would take a strong, strong look at Blake Wesley. Now, I believe Wesley is working out for New York today, so this this is airing on Monday, but I think Blake Wesley would be a good fit. I see him as like a little bit bigger version of Tyrese Maxey. He can play some one, can play some two, has the ability to create his own shot, a good athlete. I think Blake is going to be a very good knockdown shooter, and I think he would bring this this combination of size and athleticism and shot creativity to New York, and I think he would be a good fit there. All right, at number 12, it is the Oklahoma City Thunder. And again, they could have quite a few options here at number 12. I think the Thunder are going to be very active on draft night. But based off of what I have going on, I have them selecting Ushman Jang, the skilled 6'10 ball handler that is really like a, a natural wing despite his size. And he's drawn comparisons to former Oklahoma City Thunder. Now, he wasn't there too long. He was there briefly. He had a short time in OKC, but he's drawn comparisons to Paul George. And Jane got off to a, I mean, just an awful start in Australia's NBL. And he finished strong in the second half of the season. And I think it puts him right back where he was projected to go at the beginning of the year. Jane kind of represents... Uh, the Thunder's recent draft patterns from he's international. So you look at the players on their roster. I mean, they may have had like 14 guys. I'm just talking off the top of my head, but they probably have had had 14 guys last season that were international players. Off the top of my head, I can think of Gilgis Alexander, Dort, Pokashevsky, Josh Giddy. Uh, they, they had quite a few guys. You did talk about Tail Maladon. You got Vic Creechi, you had the the kid uh, 
Georgios, I can't pronounce his last name, the kid from Greece. They had quite a few international players. Now, the thing about Oklahoma City is you have all those international players, but the city doesn't even have an international airport. But anyway, that has nothing to do with Usman Jang. So Jang fits the bill of not only being an international player, but he also has size, and he's a good passer for his size. So I think that is kind of like the... The, the pattern that the Thunder are looking. They're looking for oversized, skilled players that can pass the ball. So I imagine them having this very team-friendly offense where the ball moves. And the more guys that you have on the floor that can create opportunities for others, then the better your offense should be. All right, at number 13, this is the new – or I'm sorry. At number 13, this is the Charlotte Hornets. And with Charlotte – I think that their their biggest need, their biggest glaring weakness is that they have a hole in the middle. And if Mark Williams is available, I think that is a no-brainer. I've had Mark Williams mocked to the Hornets probably for the majority of this draft process. Now, there's a chance, like I said, if Indiana decides to move Miles Turner, I think that can throw things off a little bit. But I think Mark Williams to Charlotte is a good fit. They need a defensive anchor. Montrez Harrell has some legal issues going on now. And then, I mean, they just had different stop gaps at center since Al Jefferson left. So I think Mark Williams to Charlotte makes the most sense. And I forgot about the eighth pick. And that is the New Orleans Pelicans. And New Orleans is in a weird situation in a sense because they are a lottery team, despite the fact that they were a playoff team. They made the playoffs last year without their best player playing a single game. So New Orleans is coming into the season with expectations. And I don't know if there's a lot of opportunities for the eighth pick to come in and and get minutes right away, simply because I think at the point guard spot, you have C.J. McCollum and you have uh, Devontae Graham. On the wings, you have Brandon Ingram. You have Herb Jones, who's expected to have a, a bigger role. You have Trey Murphy, who they drafted last year. And the Pelicans definitely need some outside shooting. And Dyson Daniels is who I have projected to go there. But right now, he doesn't project as a three-point shooter. So they could look at A.J. Griffin or Benedict Matherin if they're available. Even Johnny Davis, even though the percentages on paper don't indicate that he's a good three-point shooter, but he shot 38% on catch and shoot. So I think he would be a decent fit there. All right, at number 14, wrapping up the lottery, it is the Cleveland Cavaliers who are in a similar situation because even though Cleveland did not make the playoffs they were a playoff team for the majority of the season and everything kind of got derailed when they had some injuries late in the year I have them selecting Malachi Branham at number 14 which he is a local kid not necessarily local local but he's from the area an Ohio Ohio native who tried saying that fast Ohio native who went to Ohio State and he was one of these guys that just kind of came out of nowhere I don't think Anybody was expecting him to be a one-and-done lottery pick at this time last year, but he had a a great year. The biggest concern for him is the three-point shooting. Even though on paper he shot over 40% from three, he's very reluctant to pull the trigger. I even spoke with someone from a team that he worked out for, and they were saying that they know he can shoot. He's just not as confident shooting from three as he is from the mid-range. And there were times during their workout that he passed up open threes and and went to shoot the pull-up jumper. So I think Cleveland needs another floor space or another shooter. 
And I mean, I think it's an easy fix for Branham to develop into a, a good three point shooter. And he would give the Cavs another wing that can be a secondary playmaker and should be able to knock down open shots. Cleveland could also consider Ocha Akbaji here. He is plug and play and ready to go. Just came off a national championship at Kansas, four year player there. Shot a good percentage from three. I've compared him to this year's version of Desmond Bang. Cleveland could also look at Jeremy Sohan. And I think Charlotte could look at Jeremy Sohan also with the 15th pick. Maybe even Oklahoma City. Offensively, he's a little bit behind his defense. Even though he mentioned to me when I spoke to him at the Combine, this is the first year that people really been praising him as a defensive player and not really paying attention to his offense. And he believes that he's a better offensive player than he was able to showcase at Baylor. But then again, there's quite a few guys who feel that same way. But that wraps up this episode. I'm just kind of briefly going through my mock draft. That is changing by the minute. All right. Well, that wraps it up. And now that the first picks of the ultimate NBA mock draft have been made. And actually, let me talk about that for a second. So we recorded the ultimate NBA mock draft last week. And the episodes aired. I think the first one was on Friday. And it was a mock draft. I was in character mode, and I noticed that some of my comments from the mock draft ended up making it to Twitter, and without context, I probably looked crazy. I know one of the first things I saw was, uh, I had mentioned, because I, you know, we recorded this, and I had knew that there was going to be some different trades between the locker room hosts, and I had mentioned that there's going to be a lot of movement today. I'm expecting a lot of movement today. Somehow, it was... It was thought to be where I said there's going to be a lot of movement as far as the NBA draft and trades on Friday. And I got a bunch of messages saying that. So people are probably disappointed that nothing actually happened. But it was on the ultimate NBA mock draft. All right. So now that I got that out the way, you can search now for the ultimate NBA mock draft. And you can get over 50 insiders, the Odyssey sports experts, and the draft experts from Locked On NBA Big Board. The fifth episode of the Ultimate NBA Mock Draft is underway. Make the Ultimate NBA Mock Draft your second listen for us today. Well, that wraps everything up. I'm Rafael Barlow, the director of scouting for NBA Big Board. And this is the point in the show where I have to tell you that I am out.